Lord has been so good to people's church. Uh, it's very obvious that God's hand and God's blessing uh, is upon our church. Five and a half years old. I started with six people in our home. And we look at what the Lord has done at people's church. It is just fabulous. It's remarkable. And to God be all, uh, all the glory. He has helped us to connect people to God and to others. And after much prayer of our leadership team praying, our board of directors praying, uh, we have decided that it is definitely the Lord's will for us to launch into a new season of ministry. And here in the month of March, we're going to break ground and build phase two of our building so that we can reach more people for the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're excited. We're pumped up about what God is doing here. And we're launching a stewardship campaign beginning in February. Uh, the, the, the name of this stewardship campaign is called the Crazy Campaign. Pastor, are you serious? Oh, absolutely, yeah. The Crazy Campaign. You say, Pastor, why in the world would you call a campaign a, a, a spiritual journey? Why would you call it crazy? Well, if you're new here, welcome. You get to sit in on the family talk. I'm not talking to you, but you, you, you get the privilege of just sitting in and saying, where is this church headed? What is this church all about? And if you're, you, you, you're new to this church, this may be a shock to you, but I haven't had any caffeine today. I'm like this normally. This is just regular me. I'm just crazy. I'm crazy, crazy, crazy. I am a crazy pastor. I must confess that to you. Matter of fact, my wife and I, were absolutely crazy. Those of you that know us, know about us, you know that we got three little kids. We got one kid four years old. We got one kid two-year-old. We got one kid, one-year-old, we're crazy. And we got one on the way, due in July. We got a brand new edition. Number four is coming in the month of July. Yeah, oh yeah. Now, my, my, my wife and I, we're trying to figure out how this is happening. So, so some of y'all have to come talk to us after church. We're not sure if it's giblet gravy, if it's, we're not sure if it's the watermelon. Somebody told me after church, they said, Pastor, are you and your wife drying off with the same towel? I don't know what it is. But God has blessed us in tremendous ways. And so we're just crazy about being crazy parents for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're, we're crazy about what God is doing at our church. The, the foundational scripture for this crazy campaign is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 11. It says, that keeps us vigilant. You can be sure. It's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. Isn't that true? Every man, every woman, every boy and girl is going to stand in the place of judgment. They're going to stand before God Almighty. And because I'm aware of that, that there's a real heaven, there's a real hell, there's a real judgment day, that is why we work urgently. We can't let grass grow under our feet. We can't just link arms and stand still and sing Kumbaya when people are dying and going to hell. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this. But I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would, be, would make you feel good. Proud even that we're on your side and not just nice to your face as so many people are. Here's the clincher. Here's what this campaign is all about. Verse 13. If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted overly seriously... I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such 
extremes. And I say that as your pastor, if I acted crazy, I, I, I did it for God. And if to you I act overly seriously, too, too serious, I, I did it for you. Christ's love compels me. It moves me. We are crazy about this vision that God has given you. And I want you to know as your pastor, I'm crazy about God. I love God. I seek God. I'm passionate about living and running a race of integrity that's going to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm crazy about my Heavenly Father. I'm crazy about this vision to connect people to God and to others. I, I'm crazy about reaching people who are far away from God and seeing them connected and experiencing God's grace, God's mercy, God's love. That There's nothing that thrills my heart when somebody who's far away from God experiences God's forgiveness and His saving power. Matter of fact, last weekend, I tell you, I left this church on cloud nine. As we began the very first Sunday of the year, 77 Seven people responded and gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ on one weekend of services. Matter of fact, I had one person come up to me after church and said, Pastor, my name is such and such, such and such is my sister. And, and I, made the, uh, I made the connection there, know her sister very well. And she said, Pastor, I needed that. I needed that. And last week I talked about repentance. I talked about forgiveness. And I left this building last weekend and I said this, I was made for this. I was created for this. I was designed for this very moment in history to see people's lives changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, wait, we can take it easy now. We can take it easy. The pastor, God's blessed. We got 50 acres, got a building. We run 1,600 people. You're preaching four services. Not because I want to, but because I have to. But we got to do what we got to do to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we could just sit around and sing kumbaya. We could talk about the good old days. Hadn't God been good to us? You remember way, 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 way back in 2002 when we started. Amen. And we could do that. But friends, people are still dying and still going to hell without Jesus Christ. They're still in heaven and in hell. They're still in eternity. There's still a judgment day. And nowhere are we going to sit back on cruise control and let our city die and go to hell. Friends, we're going to continue to be aggressive. We're going to continue to move forward and reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's about 12 of you that's excited with me today. Amen. <laughs> we're crazy about kids. We're crazy about youth ministry. I'm crazy. My life was impacted as a kid. I'm crazy about seeing kids and teenagers. Their lives shaped and formed and molded at a very early age. We're going to continue to aggressively reach and impact our kids and our teenagers in this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to passionately impact teenagers and kids with God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace. I believe they need it so desperately. And God's called us to do that as a church. We're crazy around this place. And we've got a crazy team that we've put together. Uh, there have been 146 people that have been on this journey with us since October, November, that have been praying, involved in meetings, behind the scenes, getting things ready to bring to you as a church public, this public launch 
And with some of that campaign team, if you're part of our campaign team, don't be shy. I want people to be able to see who you are, that you're, you're behind this vision, you're excited about what God's doing. Would our campaign team just stand all across this building? You've been in those meetings. Would you just begin to stand? Come on, I see you out there. Don't fake it. Amen. Just stand. Praise the Lord. We can look at you. Just look around, man. We thank you, campaign team, for all that you've been doing and serving and ministering. And you can see the whole team there, 146 folks that are just serving behind the scenes that have been getting ready, supporting this vision. They are hungry and excited about reaching more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me show you a little bit about this facility. If you'd put that picture up for me, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, here's the new facility. Uh, you can see this is our current building. Uh, our current building, building is a little bit over 17,000 square feet. I had one person tell me this week, they don't come to our church, but they know about what the Lord is doing here and the way the Lord's blessing us. They say, yeah. He said, Herbert, you got the biggest church with the smallest building I've ever seen in the world. I mean, he said, man, I mean, we can put one person for every square foot of our building. Isn't that amazing? That's great. And one person, I mean, we just pack you in here like sardines. Amen. But that's why we're in four services. And so we're excited. This is the expansion here, 42,000 square feet expansion to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. One of our major dilemmas right now, and one of the reasons we have to be in, in four services is we only have 168 parking, paved parking spaces right now, 168. And 68, you do the math, 1,600 folks, and continue to grow and reach more people. Uh, that's just not near enough parking, but we got this gravel right now. And amen. Uh, come, we're going to break ground in March. Uh, we are crazy. This project is scheduled to be completed in the fall of this year. The fall of this year. We're planning on moving to this new facility. Amen. Crazy. Uh, we're crazy around here, but we're excited about that. Uh, we're planning, if the Lord really blesses this campaign in a wonderful way, our, our goal would be to pave this road here. It would take us a road to Kelly uh, so we can have entrance and exit right here on Britain, but also have a road here on Kelly. So that is our, our goal. That's the ultimate goal that we want to see happen just so that we can have plenty, plenty of room for unchurched people to come and be able to park and not have to deal with the hassle of gravel and parking across the street and all the things that we have to do now to accommodate uh, the way that the Lord is blessing the church. Uh, put that next picture up for me, would you please? You can just see here on the east side of the building just more parking and all, all that wonderful things that you see. And so there's an entrance here and just to the new facility. So uh, exciting, exciting, exciting stuff. Give me the inside of the building real quick. I can't give you all the details here, but we're going to have some meetings that you can come and attend and get your questions answered. Uh, that is the current kids space. It's going to be turned into offices. Uh, here's our lobby, current lobby. You know what I love to do after church? See, I run off the platform every week and I get to watch you go out of the auditorium. It's funny watching you not be able to walk anywhere. I just love it. You get out to the lobby and you're hitting each other and walking and trying to run into each other because there's no place to walk. Would you get out my way? But I got to be nice because I'm in church. I mean, I know what you're trying to do. But it's funny watching you. But we're going to solve this problem. All we got is about 3,500 square feet of uh, lobby space for a church of our size. Uh, it's, it's really humorous that that's all we have. Uh, but with this expansion, we're going to have over 13,000 square feet of lobby space. We'll have here will be gathering space. Here will be gathering space. Down here, this gathering space is almost as big as our current auditorium right here. But we want to see you be able to come out. Some couches out here where you can connect with people that don't know the Lord. First time guests can sit down, talk to some of our regular attenders right now. That, that just can't happen with, with, with what we've got. Uh, also, this, the auditorium that you're sitting in right now, this auditorium is going to be made into kids and youth space. We're going to put a wall there in the middle of the auditorium, keep our stage and all, and our lights and so on and so forth. And this is going to be a 300-seat auditorium on Sunday mornings. It'll be our older kids, 7 to 12-year-old kids. On, on Wednesday night, we're going to have the, our youth service in this room. Here, these two rooms, we're going to put a wall here. 
and, and these are going to be two kids' classrooms, older kids of I say older, but uh, the four to six-year-old kids are going to be split up into these two rooms to be able to worship and connect with God. We're, this is all brand new area here. This is the current office space right now. That's going to be a three-year-old classroom, and we're going to have our, our kid, little babies here, you know, our, our six-month to one-year-old, our, our one-year-old and our two-year-old kids here, three-year-olds here. So we're excited about that, and I know I'm flying through this, but you're going to have an opportunity uh, to get questions answered. This is going to be a multi-purpose room. So when, when service is going on, we're going to have our starting point class going on on Sunday morning so you won't have to come back on another night. We'll offer that class. And here's the, the wonderful new auditorium right here. Right now we have about 600 seats in the new auditorium. We'll have 1,800 seats to be able to connect people to God and connect people to others. It is exciting stuff, crazy stuff around people's church. And, and, and you know what I'm excited about is also on the platform, we're actually going to have a baptismal pool. No more in the hallways baptizing people. Amen. And so we're excited that right here in the auditorium, we're going to be able to baptize people. And so uh, this is 42,000 square feet, and it's going to cost us approximately $4.3 million. I know your eyes are like, but we serve a multi-million dollar God. I said we serve a multi-million dollar God who has been good to us and, and to this crazy church. Matter of fact, I remember when we were running about 400 or so, and I told the church we were two years old crazy that we were going to build our first facility and buy 50 acres. There was a couple I talked to this week, and they actually told me, Pastor, we had been in the church about six months. I said, yeah, most people had been in the church about six months when I said we we're going to build our first facility. And they said, we, we really did. We thought you were crazy. When you asked us to give above our tithe to, to this first building. <laughs> and they said, but we did it. We stepped out in faith. We were new. We were going, is this guy really crazy? And they stepped out in faith. And since we moved into this new facility, there hasn't been one weekend, not one weekend of services, that somebody hasn't given their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. I call that a wonderful investment in the future of seeing lives changed by the power of the Lord. Say, so, Pastor, what, what, what do you want us to do? What are you asking of us? Uh, if you're a guest here, listen. We're not all about money. Oh, no, a building, a building. Listen, relax. We're not taking up an offering today. Amen. Relax. Chill out. All I want you to do is pray. I believe everything starts with prayer. And I wanted you to know this really early. Our commitment Sunday is not till February the 24th. Would you just pray? And then would you process? Listen, we're going to have meetings. Would you show up? We're going to be sending information in the mail about meetings. Would you actually show up to those meetings? So that you can ask questions and get your questions answered. And, and I want to be able to talk with you, share the vision in more detail about what we're doing, how, how our ministries are going to be stepped up and make a greater impact. But you have to show up. Listen, listen. I, I love you. You have shouted and clapped as well as any service so far. And you said amen and you're excited. But listen, it's going to take more than amen to build this building. Amen. It's going to take more than thank you, Pastor. Glory, glory. It's going to take more than clapping to build the building. So show up so you can process and understand and get, get some understanding about what the Lord is doing here at People's Church. And the last thing, just prepare your hearts. Just begin to pray and prepare your hearts for what the Lord wants you and your family to do, the investment He wants you to make to build this next facility to impact more lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, as, as your pastor, I don't necessarily enjoy these buildings. Uh, of building them because God hadn't called us to build buildings. He hasn't called us into a, con a contract business. God's called us into the people business to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the only way that we can do that is with another facility so we can continue to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Smile with me around this building. Even if you have to fake it, smile. Smile. When I count to three, I want you just to shout crazy. Come on. One, two, three. Crazy! 
God, we're a crazy church on a crazy journey to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter number 10. Luke chapter number 10. We're going to pick up reading in verse number 38 in Luke chapter 10. The Word of God we're going to read in just a moment about the story of Martha. We're in a series called The Winning Hand. The Winning Hand. What we're doing throughout the series is we're talking to you about how to have a winning hand in 2008. How to have a successful life in 2008. How to have a God-honoring life in 2008. How to have a life that brings God glory in 2008. How to have a winning hand. Last week we talked to you about calling the bluff. We said there are people that are trying to bluff God. They're putting on a front. They're living a secret life. They're living a life of sin. And we said that God was calling the bluff. And last week we talked to you about repentance and getting your heart right with the Lord. And if you're going to have a winning hand in 2008, the foundation is going to be repentance and living a life that honors the Lord. Our title this week is Know When to Hold Them and Know When to Fold Them. Look with me in Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. Scripture says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She said she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And we can find ourselves just like Martha. There's so much going on in our busy world. We can find ourselves so distracted. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Friends, life is a lot like a card game. You got to know when to hold them. And know when to fold them. Matter of fact, in, in some card games, if you're going to actually win the game, you have to know this. You gotta know when to hold them and you gotta know when to fold them. There, there are actually times in some card games you can have a horrible hand, but because of what's going on on the table and, and what you think are in, is in your opponent's hand, you, you gotta, you gotta hold on to your cards. And there are sometimes you may have a great hand, but because of what you see on the table and what you think is in your opponent's hands, you say, I've gotta fold. I, I, I gotta fold my hand and friends, Martha, when it came to life, she didn't know when to hold them. She didn't know when to fold them. The scripture says she was, she was distracted. And Martha, she was so busy doing what was good, she neglected what was best. She was so busy, so caught up in the good things, she, 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 she was not focusing her priorities on, on the great things. And friends, her priorities were out of whack. She, she got her focus off of the main thing. She didn't know when to hold them. And she didn't know when to fold them. And many people, they're, they're just like Martha. They're distracted by all that life brings. I mean, you have to admit that life is pretty busy and hectic today. There's work and there's shopping and friends and fitness and hobbies and ball games and practice and paying bills and on and on. And if you're not careful, church, you'll lose focus from what really matters. The problem is this. Most people, when it comes to their life, they don't know when to hold them and they don't know when to fold them. 
their life and their priorities is, are simply out of whack. They're so busy doing what's good, they're neglecting what's best. When I use the phrase, know when to hold them and, and know when to fold them, all that I'm talking about, don't miss this, all we're talking about is establishing priorities. Establishing priorities. A priority is something you put ahead of something else. A priority is something you say yes to even when it means saying no to other important things. And for the next few moments, I want to talk to you about two top priorities. Two top priorities. Number one is this. Some of you have been distracted from your family. And our family should be our second most important priority in our lives. Some of you, you're so caught up in doing what's good that you've neglected what's best. And when it comes to having a vibrant relationship with your family, friends, you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And there are countless, I mean countless, countless people who neglect their spouse and kids for the sake of their career goals. They neglect their spouse and kids for their hobbies, activities, and friendships, and the list can go on and on and on. And I want to ask you a very sobering, thought-provoking question. And would you be honest with yourself today? Are you neglecting your spouse and kids while chasing your career goals? Are you caught up in the rat race of life and you find yourself doing what's good instead of doing what's best? Jesus told Martha back in Luke 10 and verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. And some of you find yourself right there. You're upset and worried about many things. You're worried about your career. You're worried about climbing the corporate ladder. You're worried about the economy. You're worried about your car. You're worried about your house. You're worried about your savings. You're worried about your investment. You're worried and upset about a lot of things. But Jesus said, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Martha, it's not that you're not doing a good thing. You're doing a good thing. But there's a better thing. You're all focused. You're off track. Mary has chosen what is better. Martha, you're doing the good, but you're neglecting what's better. Friends, when it comes to our, our family, there are two very important things that I want to draw your attention to. Number one is this. The greatest gift you give your family is you. Is you. If you're a single person, you say, Pastor, how, how is this going to apply to me today? Listen, statistics say that one day the majority of you will be married. And if you'll put this message in your heart, if you'll hide this message away, it'll save you from a lot of trouble. It'll save you from a lot of heartache. It'll save you from a lot of pain. You see, friends, you can never make up for the lack of time you spend with your wife and kids. Friends, you, you can't bring home enough money to replace your absence from the home. You, you can't buy enough flowers to heal the damage that's caused by neglecting your marriage. You, you can't buy enough toys. You can't buy enough gadgets. You, can, you, you, you can't buy enough cars and junk for your kids to replace your consistent presence in their life. And friends, the very things you say you love the most could slip right from your fingers if you don't reorder your priorities. Some of you in this place, you're distracted. You're, you're focused on what's good, but you're neglecting what's 
best. And when it comes to your family, you got to know when to hold them. And you got to know when it's time to fold them. There's a second very important thing that I want to draw your attention to today when it comes to your family. Number two is this. Actions speak louder than words. Everybody say amen. Actions speak louder than words. And friends, you, you know you're distracted when you say one thing and you continually do another. And many people say their family is a top priority with their mouth, but it's sure not evident with their schedule. You see, the problem is this. Many people love their family with their heart, but they sure don't love their family with their schedule. And, and the issue is this. Your family can't see your heart. They just see your actions. And you can say, well, don't you know I love you? Don't you know that uh, you're a priority in my life? Don't you know that? Don't you feel like a priority? Don't you realize you're a priority in my life and you're a top priority? That's why I do all this. That's why I got 10 jobs. That's why I work. That's why I do all this. And they say, no, I don't get it. Because I don't see your heart. I just see your actions. And your actions communicate to me that you're, you're distracted. And you're doing a lot of good things. But you're neglecting what's best. And friends, if you talk to my wife, my, my family, my wife doesn't base my spirituality on great preaching. <laughs> now, my wife enjoys my messages. At least she tells me she does. Amen. <laughs> but she doesn't base my spirituality on how well I preach. My wife is not so interested in me preaching great sermons as she is in me living great sermons. She wants me to live it. You see, my wife, my wife, my kids, they base my spirituality, you know what they base it on? How much I love God, how much I love my wife, how much I love my kids, and how much I love others. You see, you just might not be as spiritual as you think you are. You're neglecting your family. You see, and, and I love you. I love this church. I love what I do. But I love my family more. And they're a top priority in my life. I think that might be why I got four kids, three and one on the way. As I, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. I'm going to figure this out what the problem is, and we're going to get it corrected in the Cooper house. But, but I love my family. I'm not going to neglect my family. I'm not so, so interested in my kids having a pastor as I am in them having a daddy. And I'm going to be their daddy. And I'll be at their ball games. And I'm going to raise them. And the pastor's kids are not going to be, the pastor kids, they're always a bunch of hoodlums. Oh, not mine. Because <laughs> they're going to know their daddy. And I'm going to invest in their life. And sometimes you may not understand it and you may be mad. But at the end of the day, when I die, my kids and my wife are going to say, that man loved us incredibly. And he never put the church before us. And it's the same way with you. It's, it's the same way with your life. That you find yourself in the business, business, and you're distracted. And you're spending a lot of time doing things that are good, but you're, but you're all focused and you're missing out on what's best. And you might not be as spiritual as you think you are. Can I tell you, friends, that, 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 that you can quote half the Bible and be neglecting your kids. And they're dying for your attention. Can I tell you, you can have your hands lifted in worship and your marriage be falling apart. 
Can, can I tell you, friends, you may not be as spiritual as you think you are. You, you can pray for somebody and see them healed of cancer by the power of God and your marriage be in shambles. Can I tell you for some of you, for some of you, the most spiritual thing that you may need to do for 2008 is to reorder your priorities. Because when it comes to your family, you got to know when to hold them. And you got to know when to fold them. Point number two, there's a, a, a second thing I, I want to share with you today about the most two important, most priorities in our life. This is the number one priority in our life. And listen, some of you are distracted from God. You're distracted from God. And the scripture says in Luke 10 and verse number 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing. Listen, Martha, I know you're off on this and you're on that tangent and you're focused on this. But Martha, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was so caught up in the rat race of life that she lost focus from the main thing. And the main thing is having a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, all Jesus wanted was her time, but she was distracted. All Jesus wanted was her worship, but she was, she was distracted. And if you're not careful, in this busy world that we live in, you can easily lose sight of the one thing that's really needed. That's an on-fire relationship with Jesus Christ. That's one thing that's needed. And I want you to hear what Jesus says in Mark chapter 8. He sums this up so well when it comes to the issue of priorities. Mark 8 and verse number 36. Jesus said, what good is it for man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul, yet lose out on a relationship with Jesus Christ? And some of you, you're trying to gain this, and you're trying to gain that, and you're chasing after this, and you're missing out on the thing that's most important. And that's Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 37, or what, listen to this, or what can a man give in exchange, in exchange, in exchange for his soul? And there are folks that will give a lot of things and give up their own soul and give up a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're exchanging something. They think something else is that much more important. What, what are you exchanging for your soul? Is it a woman? Is it? Is it a man? Are you, you're giving up on Jesus because of that. Is it sex? Is, is it drugs? Is it selfishness? You're just all about you. You're consumed with you. Life's all about And you're missing out on Jesus? Is it chasing money? Is it pursuing success? Is it the quote-unquote American dream? And you're chasing after it with all of your energy and attention and you're missing out? On the most important thing, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. You're chasing this, trying to build this, working around that. You're trying all this. And Martha, there's one thing. There's only one thing, one thing. There's one thing that you really needed. And that's serving and living for me. Church, what has you so distracted that you rarely come to church? What has you so distracted that you don't study the Bible and pray like you used to? What has you so distracted that you're living a life of sin? 
What has you so distracted that you're not seeking the Lord anymore? What has you so distracted? In the beginning of the 2008, I challenge you, reorder your priorities. There's one thing Jesus said. Mary, you're doing, Martha, you're doing some good things, but there's one thing that's needed. And that's that you live on fire for Jesus Christ. Friends, when it comes to Jesus, you got to know when to hold him. you got to know when to fold him. You've been distracted. Lord, I love you today. Thanks for your word. Thanks for your presence.